Awesome, Zach. Thank you uh, for leading us this morning, the four of us here, and the multitudes out uh, in TV land. Um, If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, that's where we'll be uh, this morning. Uh, We are... um, it's Palm Sunday, and we are going to look at one of the Palm Sunday accounts. Uh, the time of Sunday, Monday, somewhere in there as Jesus went into the city. Uh, this is uh, what many have called the Passion Week, the beginning uh, event of the Passion Week. And that word passion uh, is, um, I, I don't know all the origins, but it, I think it comes from, I've heard one uh, scholar talk about how in uh, the book of Acts, it says, it talks about, I think it's verse Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about in the King James, uh, it says, it speaks of his passion, his suffering that he was going to do. And that word is interesting in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, because it's it's translated passion or suffering, but really it's the passion of his suffering. the 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 reason he suffered was because of what he was going to do. Uh, he, you look at especially um, the the accounts of uh, in the Gospels that talk so much about this week. Uh, one is suggested like forty percent of the gospel account is just talking about this next week that we are going to be celebrating. Um, as you look at this, you realize that Jesus wasn't arrested and then crucified. That's that's too simple of a story. That he was going, he was going about the will of the Father to be crucified. That he walked to the cross, if you will. That uh, there are arrests, there are trials, there are uh, events that definitely happened and uh, unbelieving people participated in that. But if you look at this, you realize that this whole week was about Jesus suffering. And I would say it like this, suffering on purpose. It was his purpose that he was going uh, to the cross. And so... Uh, as you think about this week, uh, this Passion Week, it's a week of suffering, but suffering on purpose or with purpose. Uh, I want to read to you uh, Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse 1 down through verse 11. God's Word says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, uh, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus said, sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone uh, says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Uh, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal, the foal of a beast of burden. Uh, The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They they brought the donkey and the colt and put 
put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him, and that and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when, they, uh, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us to understand it now. Uh, most of all, cause us to love, follow, trust, believe in your son, Jesus, the King. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we go uh, into this passage, some of you put it together. Uh, most, most of the time, this is titled the triumphant entry or the triumphal entry. Um, that's, that's a great name. Uh, it's a great identification. It probably is more accurate to say, though, this is the royal entry or the entry of the king. It, uh, the, the reason maybe the, the difficulty there is this, that Jesus, th- this is really before the triumph, before the victory. Uh, this is not really a part of uh, this isn't the last and final scene. It actually descends pretty quickly after this, as you'll see if you study this this week and consider it. This is the entrance of a king, but uh, it quickly changes, even as they shared with the kids. The setting is near Jerusalem. It's outside of Jerusalem, and the crowds had come for Passover and the, the town is swelling with people and families and travelers that had come to celebrate Passover. And Passover was both a celebration, but it was also a re- reminder that they, have, they were a needy people and have always been a needy people and remain needy people, uh, needing someone to take care of them, needing someone to protect them, and desiring a protector, a savior. Uh, we really see, so it's, they're heading, they drew near Jerusalem and they were about ready to go in. And then we get this plan that Jesus is now taking charge. Uh, it feels like prior to this, he, he wasn't, but it, it feels more casual and, uh, almost wandering from city to city. And now he's driving He's driving. It wasn't that he didn't have a plan before, but now he was fixated on the grand reason why he came. And we find first, forgive me for saying it this way, if this is a parade, uh, the donkey is the float, okay? The colt that was tied there, uh, the float. And how we uh, see this whole process of getting uh, the one that is to take Jesus uh, into Jerusalem. We know from the, the, so we get gospel accounts. This isn't the only one that we're looking at in uh, Matthew, but I'll bring in some of the details from the others as well. But this idea that this cult that had never been writ, written, written, it never been sat on. You can imagine that. Some of you are horse people and you realize that uh, a horse needs to be trained uh, in, 
it's very important because you just don't hop on a horse and the horse says, hey, this is a great idea. I think it's great that someone heavy should be on my back. Um, that just doesn't happen. And I, I, I point this out. I don't think it's a big issue in this passage, but know this, that everything was special about Jesus. And when I say everything, it's that he was doing things that other people could not do. Even the bringing about of this cult for him to ride into the city uh, was exceptional. It was even, some would say, miraculous. He gives instructions to these two disciples. We don't know who, which ones were sent, but you can imagine going into the city and saying, Jesus says, okay, you just go in there and you'll find, you know, right, right kind of at the entrance, you'll find his colt and his donkey and you bring those and you just take them. You just take them. And uh, the disciples, you know, they'd seen Jesus do things before. And undoubtedly that this was just another one of those things where they go, Jesus says so, it must be okay. And so they went, they uh, followed the instructions. We find in this passage and in the other ones as well, that somehow the owner of uh, these animals was on board, was on board. And we don't know if there was some kind of like uh, someone came into the city and explained Jesus' plan or if it was simply one of those miraculous things where he heard the name Jesus, he knew that that's what was going to happen, and so he said, sure, take him. Uh, But somehow know this, that the owner was on board with the plan of Jesus. Uh, I don't think there's a big point to be pointed out here, but I'll point out a small point as well. Uh, This is probably one of our greatest challenges in this life, is to figure out what Jesus is doing, and then we hop into that plan. We adjust our plan to meet into His plan. Uh, I think most of us, if someone came to our door and said, "Jesus has need of your car, or your house, or your phone, what, what, whatever it is," we would say, "Well, what's He want to do with it?" When am I going to get this back? How much is he going to pay? Um, Somehow the owner was on board with what Jesus was doing, the plan of Christ. I'd say it this way. This uh, animals actually uh, were commandeered for the king. And you you understand that, right? When uh, you, you realize he's the king, he owns it all. And so all that we have or all that we are a part of or our schedule or our time or our money, all of that uh, should be his. We realize, too, that in uh, these first couple of verses here, that this is a fulfillment. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. We see in verse 5, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, uh, on a colt, uh, the full of beast of burden. We, we see this being a fulfillment of the Old Testament, both in Isaiah and Zechariah 9.9. 9. Um, what a great thing it is that we see that what Jesus was doing was fulfilling the, the promises that were made so many uh, years before, prior to even his birth. And so we see that the whole idea uh, in Zechariah 9.9, 9, 
that he will be coming uh, on this colt, this one, uh, the full of the donkey that would be his entrance into the city. And that would be the king. And so what's very important to see in this, in this uh, part of the, this fulfills prophecy, but also in the things they shouted later on, uh, it's pointing, he is the king. He is the one. Uh, very important for us to just simply, in simplicity, just this idea that we grab hold of, that Jesus, who is he? He's the king. He's the king. Um, so we see really the float, the, the cult that was brought. And then we see the parade path, if you will, verse 7. Uh, verse 7, it says, they, they brought the donkey and the colt, and they uh, put on their cloaks on him, and, and Jesus sat on him. Verse 9, uh, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread uh, them on the road. What a picture. I, I know that that's not one that we're familiar with. Uh, we, have car- we have carpeting. We have carpeting here in the church, and hopefully we're going to get new carpeting here soon. But uh, the idea of having uh, a smooth path before us is one that we don't really think about that much unless you live in the outer parts of Tehachapi, uh, Bear Valley, way up high, you realize there's potholes everywhere. But this idea of a smooth path before us, and they uh, do this kind of an impromptu parade, if you will, uh, and they take their coats off because he's the king. Uh, that, that may seem weird to us, but what a picture of taking off our coat, which is valuable, and letting the king tromp on it uh, on the way uh, into the city. We can just acknowledge that they were making a special place or a special way for the king to ride. They took these branches as well. And uh, for the the Jewish people, this was a sign of of nationalism, of that this special, and it, they would raise it, and it would be kind of a, a flag, if you will, or a banner, if you will, uh, of them ex- being excited at who they are. They uh, waved these, and they were excited about the victory that they would have because of Jesus, and they cut these branches, waved them, threw them down, along with the coats to bring this entrance for the king in uh, to the city. These uh, Jewish people were excited about the idea that liberation was going to be theirs as they were connected with this man, Jesus. And backing up to the, uh, the prophecy, um, all, all this coming together that, that he was the king, but he was also the Messiah, the one that was to come and save them, the one that they had been waiting for. Um, they see him as the king's entrance into the city. And then we find uh, in verse 9, the only king of the parade, the only king of the parade. Um, I say the only king of the parade uh, just because that's who he is. I, I think that often we think about our lives that we're living and most of the time we're acknowledging another king, we're bowing to another king, or we're trying to find our place as king. 
Uh, and yet there's only one king. His name is Jesus. Verse 9. Uh, as we as we look at this in the scripture, <coughs> excuse me, it says these crowds uh, that went before him and that followed him were shouting. Uh, Zach said they were singing earlier, uh, shouting, singing. They were rejoicing. Uh, undoubtedly, as they were uh, loudly going about, it was it was a chant, if you will. It was excitement, and they were bursting forth. Uh, with this message. And the message went like this. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. First of all that word Hosanna. <coughs> is is a word that loosely translated is give us victory now. Uh, you can feel how thirsty the people were for a savior. Uh, and I don't want to be too rough in saying this, but they felt like losers. They felt like second-class citizens. They were constantly being stepped on by other people, other nations. And the idea of Rome and all that Rome was, even in the time of Jesus onward, this idea that they were under the thumb of Rome. And, and this picture is, Hosanna is give us victory now. I, I can't help but it, it's obvious because of what happens and so easily how easily they're swayed. Uh, they were looking for things that Jesus wasn't necessarily going to provide for them. Uh, they were looking for military victories. They, they were looking to be on the right side of military victories. The, the idea of Jesus now being their king, that they were going to win instead of lose. They were also looking for political relief. They, they hated their rulers. Uh, some of you can relate to that now. You struggle with the idea of not having a good ruler. And so now they see Jesus coming in. They know he's a miracle worker. They know he's a good teacher. They know he can do things that no one else can do. And so now they're looking to him and they're saying, military, political, save us now. Save us now. The cry was right, uh, maybe their picture of what would happen next and what they could have in Jesus um, was probably wrong. That said, what we can have in Jesus is far greater than anything, any military victory we could have or any great political ruler that could come about. He's better than all that. Um, as we look at this, we realize that that they were acknowledging something they weren't truly even getting yet. Uh, secondly, he, he's, the, the crowd is, they're saying Hosanna, but they're saying Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David pointing to the lineage of the Old Testament of which the Messiah was going to come. He's the son of David. He's the one we've been waiting for. Uh, they realized the connection back to the Old Testament, to the promises that they'd had forever. They, they had thought about these things since they were uh, young people. And as, as soon as they understood what it meant to be one of God's people, they realized they were waiting for the Messiah. And now they go, but he's the one. Praise him, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the one. And as uh, they, they do that, blessed is he who 
uh, I'm sorry, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I, I love that. The, the idea, the name of the Lord is the one who comes uh, with blessing and is part of the plan of the Lord's plan being fleshed out in him. And then lastly, he says, uh, the crowd says, I'm sorry, uh, he says, the crowd, all of them together. Sorry, this is live, uh, uncut. Uh, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. This idea that uh, the Lord's saving us to the highest, to praise him to the highest places, we rejoice in him. Praises as high as they can go, above all, above all. What a great uh, acknowledgement of the only king uh, of the parade, but the only king really of uh, all of us. His name is Jesus. This morning, as we tie up our time, uh, I'll just say this. It's the same way I wanted to tie it up with the kids. Uh, How important it is is it for us to acknowledge that this message is true, not just for kids, but for every age kid, every age, uh, from the oldest to, to the youngest, uh, ready to go see Jesus the day before to ones who have 80 years before them. The first uh, conclusion I come up with is that we should be excited about Jesus. I think sometimes... For us who have walked with Christ for a long time, uh, we get drawn away and bored easily. The stories don't mean anything to us anymore. We get stale in our own hearts before Him. And I just want to tell you, we should be excited about Jesus. About where He is, what He's doing, what's going on in His agenda. We should be excited about Him. Secondly, I want to encourage you uh, that we should realize that he is the king. I'm not the king. You're not the king. He is the king. And so as we look at um, our schedule, finances, uh, our expectations, we should always realize that he is the king. I can imagine uh, if Jesus were to show up today and... um, we were unfamiliar with uh, customs and what had gone on in Scripture, and he was coming, and someone said, hey, we should throw him a parade. And what should we do? And he said, well, go home and get your best jacket, and then we'll throw it down so he can walk on it with his animal. And he said, I'm not doing that. I, that's my favorite jacket. I love that jacket. I, I spent a lot of money on that jacket. We, we would be reserved instead of realizing that he is a king and that whatever he needs, we would willingly give. Thirdly, I would say this, that we need to remember to call on him for help. I realize that many of us, uh, we, we love the idea of Jesus being at our beck and call uh, and that we would be able to call on him and he'd listen to us, and he does. Uh, we say, Jesus, I need money. Uh, I'm discouraged. Would you help me not be discouraged? I'm struggling in my marriage. Would you help me? My kids are driving me nuts. Would you help me? But to know this, that we are to call out to him for help 
But the greatest issue that we have is the issue of our soul. That Jesus is a friend of sinners. He's the one that will forgive our sins and fit us for heaven. That we should call out to Him. And so as we have called out to Him for salvation, we continue to call out to Him for all things that we would need. And then lastly, as I encourage the kids, I want to encourage us this morning. When the parade ends, He is still King. I don't know what's going to happen in these next few weeks. There's many predictions of difficulties for our country and our world. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but I want to tell you, no matter what happens, Jesus is still king and still worthy for me to be his follower. I want to tell you that's a humble, that's a, a, an honored place for us. We don't deserve to be his follower, but because of what Christ has done, as he has extended the hand, as he has gone to the cross, as we'll celebrate on Friday, uh, we realize that we have life in him. I want to encourage you uh, to continue uh, walking with the Lord through these days, no matter how dark they get. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our ability to be able to (coughs) broadcast meet uh, here this morning. And God, I do ask that these words that I've shared from your word um, would be an encouragement. I pray that we would be fixated and stuck and committed to Jesus Christ, your son. That we would um, rejoice and serve our risen Savior. That we would confidently uh, go about the difficulties of this life trusting in him. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining uh, with us today. If you want to get those pictures up, I'd love to see your smiling faces, your, your families. You're beautiful. Uh, we miss you here. Let us know how we can help. Uh, enjoy your day uh, celebrating uh, the, the one who they cried Hosanna to. You are dismissed. <laughs>